0: The situation went from a nice and calm lead up and savings to sustain me for the first month when I may have been taking a holiday as opposed to working, to like, all right, let's go. Everything's on Designer Wardrobe, everything's on Facebook Marketplace. Like, it's all up for grabs. Let's go. Welcome to the One Up Project. Money is fuel that that allows you to do things. It doesn't need to be taboo. What you don't want to do is wake up at 65 realising you did something you hated and have regret. Go and find people who will give you advice for nothing. This is a space for personal growth and money chat with new perspectives every Monday. This bit of content, listening to this, is going to be a small little breadcrumb of something that makes them think a little bit differently. For all the things we were never taught but should have been, at the end of the day, the most important person is yourself and if you're not happy with your own choices... Then you're never going to be happy. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the One Up Project podcast. Today I am talking to you about something that I absolutely have no qualifications to discuss. I mean, not that I have any qualifications to discuss anything I talk about ever, but this specifically feels like with my current financial situation something that you know I shouldn't be talking about the reason I'm going to is because there's been a lot of mistakes and a lot of mistakes I'm learning from and a lot of things I'd do differently if I was to do it all over again so in that sense I feel from an experience point of view I'm very much qualified to talk about this and that is preparing financially to travel overseas because wow Can that be different than what you expect it to be? And every place you travel is going to be different. Like I've heard people have been on the big European holidays or people have been to Asia like me or people just going somewhere local. You know, it's always going to differ. Now here's the thing. I know you can hear the rain and the birds in the background. So I apologise. But I also am at a loss for recording (laughs) studios. So just... Bear with me for this one and we will hopefully move on from this in future. So I have had the incredible, incredible, incredible opportunity and privilege to travel with no financial dependence or responsibilities holding me at home and I was also able to quite spontaneously plan this trip, like there was maybe two to three months between making the decision and arriving in Bali. But I also want to talk about the challenges that came just before which then influenced the amount of money I had on this trip overall, and of course the things that changed when I got here and other things that I maybe wish I had prepared for better. So making the choice to come to Bali, I gave myself three months to prepare. So at the time I decided I was coming over, I was still flatting. I had a stable full-time job and I had an existing emergency fund. It was small. It's probably sitting at around a grand, but it was there. The first thing I did was look up average accommodation prices and like menus in the areas I wanted to stay, and converted the amounts from Indonesian rupiah, because I'm in Bali, to New Zealand dollars, and tried to work out on average what a day of spending would cost me for just food and accommodation. So, at a ba- basic bare minimum level what was I going to spend. Then I times that by the amount of weeks that I thought I was going to be away and that gave me sort of you know something to go off. I'll talk about that in a bit of time but that was kind of the first initial preparation I did. I didn't know how long I was going to be here and I still don't even really know how long I'm going to be here but I'm going to base this episode off how I would prepare for an extended holiday of maybe two to three months again. You can obviously use all of these things I'm going to talk about for shorter holiday periods too but I think traveling for a couple of months was something that I thought was so unattainable Uh, like or not necessarily unattainable but something that I didn't think was worth it like I kind of felt if you were going to move overseas if you're going to go overseas and travel you may as well just go the full way as if you're moving there, like sell your car, sell your life, that was how I approached it because I I guess I didn't know when I was going to come back and I had so many assumptions about how I would feel and what I would want to do that now I've been here for two months are so different as well. And now being here and kind of seeing what everyone else has done, it's so possible and so the norm to just go away for a couple of months instead of, you know, booking a one-way ticket and then just seeing what happens, although a lot of people have done that as well. And I guess this speaks to my personality where I'm a very all-or-nothing kind of person, like it's either a two-week holiday or we're moving there. And I'm glad that I now realise that there's a middle ground. And in fact, I think the middle ground might be how I prefer to travel instead of, doing massive holidays away and trips away, I actually think that I might prefer to be a traveller that does time at home and then a shorter time away, like a month to two months as opposed to six months to a year. But travelling to Bali, because it's where I am, I feel like it's quite easy because it doesn't require mass amounts of savings in advance because naturally the cost of living here is a lot lower. I also think even if you have a little bit of money coming in each week from a freelance role or a side hustle, that that would make a massive difference in terms to in terms of what your lifestyle could be like here. My experience coming to Bali is obviously going to be different than someone else's experience going to Europe because the prices are going to fluctuate probably a lot. Keep that in mind too. And so I did little preparation for this trip and I want to talk about why that was and, and how I ended up accumulating the amount of money that I did. So I at first was going to come over here with my job at the time and work remotely but if you've listened to my why I'm moving to Bali in a recession episode you'll know that that didn't work out and I ended up leaving my job before I came here which was it was slightly unexpected in the sense that I when I bought my flights over to Bali I still thought I was coming over here with my full-time job so by the time I knew that I, that wasn't happening, I had already committed to coming over, which isn't an issue because I was going to go regardless, but it was just meant that I was a little bit less prepared than what I thought I was going to be because I thought I was going to still have full-time income coming in, or some kind of income coming in anyway. And that realisation happened maybe two months prior to coming. So I had like a month where I made the decision, spoke to work about it, booked the flights, got the insurance, applied for the visa. And then two months where I was like, Okay, now I know I'm not gonna have a stable income. It's game time. Let's save as much as possible. So that's when things like annual leave became really important at the end of my, you know, job so that I could use that towards it. Selling my car, sold like all my furniture from my flat, sold all my clothes, like sold jewellery and bags that I loved, sold so much stuff that it wasn't stuff that I wanted to sell though. It was like, I've got to sell everything to make this work kind of thing, which I think was slightly dramatic, but also I'm very glad I did that now because I'm about to run out of money and couldn't even think if I chose not to sell all my, sell all my stuff what situation I'd be in now. The situation went from a nice and calm lead up in savings to sustain me for the first month when I may have been taking a holiday as opposed to working to like, all right, let's go everything's on designer wardrobe, everything's on Facebook marketplace, like it's all up for grabs, let's go. But there's also different amounts of money you need at different times, because it's not just the money you need when you're here, when you're doing the thing, it's the money you need prior to leaving for the flights, for the insurance, for the visas. So I've written down a few things that you need money for before you leave, and the stuff that like, I would have prepared for had I have known what the situation was going to be so the money I needed before I left was for flights visas Uh, a lot of people might have questions about which visa I got I got the tourist B211A visa so that gives you six months here whereas most people just get the visa on arrival which gives you 30 days and you can extend the 30 days twice so it gives you 60 days total whereas my visa gives you six months total um, insurance, you need money for insurance, and then money for accommodation. Bali though can be quite spontaneous, so it's up to you if you add this into your budget for when you get here or not. I would recommend if you're staying here for a longer amount of time that you get a homestay because they're going to be cheaper, but you can very easily organise these spontaneously. The homestays, especially the nicer ones, tend to book out faster in advance. But the hostels, usually you can find one like the day you need accommodation. Some of them do book out in advance and right now it is reasonably busy, I'm pretty sure, because I know some people have been struggling to find a place, but there's always somewhere that's that's free. Like, I feel like you could easily not plan anything out here in terms of accommodation and be completely fine. But yeah, just depending on how much of a planner you are, you might want to suss that accommodation before you come. Now, looking at money for while... You're here. I would, as I was saying before, I would look at a few local menus and then the accommodation pricing you'd ideally like to pay for the lifestyle you'd ideally like to live. Work out what a week's worth of expenses would be at a minimum and then multiply it by the amount of time you expect to be here. And that will give you the minimum amount of money you need essentially to survive. To give a practical example around this, for me in Bali, the average meal with a drink is around $14, which isn't the cheapest but I'm talking about eating at a western cafe, if you're eating at a local warong, which is their restaurants here then you would be looking at something a lot cheaper but I'm just going for the upper end to give you an idea on that level what it would be like, so the average meal would sit around $14 New Zealand, so multiply 14 by three for a day's expenses, so breakfast, lunch and dinner, so that gives you one day and then multiply that number by seven and that gives you a week's worth of expenses so that gives me 294 to 300 dollars minimum for food expenses per week or maximum if you're going to be eating at local warongs then staying in an average hostel here per week costs me around 150 dollars per week really depends on the hostel like i'm talking about an average nice one, there are cheaper ones and there are more expensive ones. So let's just say around $150 per week. So I need a minimum of $450 a week to live and eat in the way that I want to for this type of lifestyle. So say I was planning on staying for three months, then $450 times 12 weeks, so it's three months, gives me five and a half grand or 5400 So I need five and a half grand to maintain the lifestyle I'm expecting or want excluding activities etc so coming to activities I think something that's really hard but super valuable if you can do it is writing a list of all the activities you want to do almost like a bucket list it's probably like this everywhere but when I got into hostels here and started talking to people they gave me suggestions of things they did and showed me photos and it was like wow that's amazing I really want to do that so you get all of these ideas when you come here and there's often things that you want to do spontaneously or you didn't realize that you wanted to do but you can also When that happens start to feel so overwhelmed and then you also end up spending money on things spontaneously which sometimes works out amazingly but other times you're doing things that you didn't really want to do anyway but you you know other people were doing them so you wanted to jump onto it. I think having like a bucket list of things is a really helpful guide for like the type of stuff you want to do and seeing what sits really far outside of that or maybe closer to that so you can work out how you want to prioritise spending your money on activities. Then work out the cost for those activities and add it to your budget. Then I would have like a buffer to that amount because I like to be quite conservative with my savings usually. Right now that's definitely not the case. Depending on how conservative you are this will differ. I I personally think a comfortable buffer for me is around 50% of the total required savings amount so say for the accommodation and the food I need five and a half grand I would want half of that so around two and a half grand as my buffer that might be overkill for a lot of people and it might not be enough for others but like everything it's going to be completely personal and it's up to you to make that decision I also wanted to talk about a few costs within the trip that I did not think about that would have been really important to consider so transport is one of these costs it's in Bali at least very cheap like it cost me to go on a 15 minute drive on the back of a scooter it cost me like two dollars New Zealand but I think having an idea of what you're doing and whatever country you're going to like are you using public transport are you going to have to get Ubers most of the time shuttles or like pick up taxis randomly like how are you getting around and working that into your weekly average of your budget because it does add up you know after a while and sometimes at least here you have to get like a car instead of a scooter so that ends up being more expensive or like you know there's just fluctuations that happen that sometimes you're not expecting. Tips as well is a really important one so considering the locals are paid so little in comparison to the amounts we spend it is important to allow for tips. Most restaurants especially the westernised Food places add on like a 10% service charge so you don't need to tip at those places but your transport or other places which obviously can be hard when you're on a budget so that's why it's best to prepare for it if you can because otherwise you'll be very stressed out trying to give tips. Also airport costs, I had an 8 hour layover in Melbourne and I didn't really think about needing to eat on that day so thinking about snacks and food and that kind of stuff. Also like SIM cards, I had to get a SIM card in Melbourne because I needed internet and the airport internet wasn't working for like four hours of my layover. So I had to get an Australian SIM card and then pay for data on that. And I didn't really think about that. Transport in and out and around the airport if that's something you need. Just having a bit of money set aside for the, like for your flights, I think is a good thing, just in case. So while you're in the place you're in, how do you keep track of your spending? So let's be real. You're probably not going to <laughs> because you're on holiday and you're somewhat prepared with averages so you don't need to worry. I'm someone who I like a financial situation where I don't need to think. When I invest, I invest so I don't need to look at it. That's why I use funds. Instant diversification, allocated amount of money from an automatic payment. I don't want to see it. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to deal with it if I don't have to. And so that's the same with spending here. I don't want to look at it if I don't have to. I just want to swipe my card and know there's money coming out and there's money going into the pockets of the restaurant owners or whatever. And that's a freedom in itself. Like That is financial freedom. To be able to swipe your card and not worry about whether the accepted or the declined is going to come up, that is freedom. To live a life where that is like your life all the time, well, if that's not the goal, I don't know what is. So being able to do that here just requires a level of preparation. In contrast to this, like in contrast to me saying that I don't want to know what's going on, I can find that knowing will mean I I feel a lot more in control and I have a sense of calm because I am able to understand that the money coming out is within a very loose budget and I will therefore have money to sustain me throughout the rest of the trip. I think having a sense of calm on holiday or traveling also just enhances the experience so much more because money doesn't need to be a factor, and you can experience something fully with a taste of what financial freedom would feel like. So if tracking and keeping on top of it and being in control is something you would want to do, here's how I would go about it. I've been using my financial planner to expense track because I think that's a really important way to just kick you right back into reality and realise, whoa, you are spending ridiculous amounts on coffees and Biscoff biscuits, which, wow, so good. But yeah, that's mainly what I've been using it for, I can link the one that I use in the description, it's my collaboration with Live Lively, and it is my favourite thing in the world, not only because it's so helpful and flexible, but because it's so pretty, and I find it super confronting to track my expenses, but it's, like I said, such a good way to motivate myself to stop spending, or to change my spending habits, and there's no avoiding it, so I would rather have control of it, because ignorance is bliss, honestly it definitely is, but right up until you have zero dollars in your bank account, and then you're just like, okay, maybe ignorance isn't bliss when I'm at the end of that journey. You can also control your money when you're travelling by paying yourself, in air quotes, so either in cash, like you would at home budgeting, taking out a certain amount of cash each week, or to your international card bank account so like I have a wise card or transfer wise as some people may know them and transferring a certain amount each week is a helpful way to just limit my spending an international card is basically like a Mastercard or a visa card you know that you can use anywhere but ideally is one with low fees so I use wise because I can use the local currency so I'm using Indonesian rupiah as opposed to New Zealand dollars to spend here and honestly, it has been really amazing. Super low fees. You can hold multiple currencies on it. So, you know, I can use my Indonesian rupiah, but then when I'm in Melbourne for my layover, I can use Australian dollars, that kind of stuff. And it's a very reasonable exchange rate, and there are no fees on the transactions from the card. Although in Bali specifically, something you want to look out for is that a lot of restaurants will charge card fees, and they'll always tell you before, which is really nice. It's usually around 2 or 3% if you want to avoid that, paying in cash is obviously always better. Something else that's quite cool about WISE, although I haven't worked out how to fully look at the full categories yet because I don't even know if they have that functionality or it's just not that easy for me to work out how to do it. But they automatically categorise your expenses into categories. So you can high level look at your spending in terms of, okay, it went Cafe, 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 then transport, 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 or whatever. So you can kind of high level look at it. But as I said, I'm still struggling to find a way to look at the totals. And when it comes to cash as well, I try to have no more than $100 New Zealand on me at any time. And that usually lasts a little while being here. Although sometimes you look in your wallet and you're like, how the. I took out money the other day and now there's $2 in there. Like, what is happening? So, anyway, recapping on the costs that I mentioned. All up, we're looking at money for your visas, flights, insurance, accommodation, food, transport, tips, airport costs, activities, and a buffer amount. So easy, right? You know, there's like nothing there. Yes, of course it's going to be expensive. Of course there's going to be preparation involved, but it's going to be so, so worth it when you don't have to stress out about those things when you're here and you can just enjoy your time. You know, if you can really clarify to yourself... Which costs you need, when and how much you need of each of them, then you'll have a stressless—I don't think that's a word—but a less stre- a less stressed trip. I hope that you guys enjoyed listening. If there's any part of this you want me to go more in depth in, just let me know. I just thought I'd do a little high level right now about how I would prepare again if I was going to come for a second time, and I definitely will be, you know, traveling to more places but I suppose the goal for me at the moment is to work out stable income that doesn't tie me down to a country so that I can remote work all the time, like that is kind of the goal and that's happening slowly but surely as I try to work out exactly what that looks like and in what capacity I want to be able to do that. So I'll keep you guys updated. I hope that if you've been listening to this that you have the capability to travel, you know, physically, emotionally, financially because I really look forward to hearing about your adventures and any questions, just flick me a message on Instagram at the one up project. I look forward to hearing from you soon. Thanks guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the one up project. If you want to find more stuff just like this, check out our other apps or follow us at the one up project on Instagram or TikTok. See you there.